we're going to be singing hallelujahs. Oh, we got some songs right there in Revelation of, of what we could sing, and we're going to hear those in so many of the languages that OBT is working in today. New saints in heaven, a singing of the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Essentially Translatable Podcast, brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. I'm Richard Rudowski. And I'm Emily Wilson. Today's episode features one of our newest staff members, Reverend Dr. Brent Smith, who has joined Lutheran Bible Translators as our second Executive Development Officer, uh, alongside Tillone, who we heard from last week. And we got to sit down with Brent. And Emily, what's your impressions? Yeah, he's so much energy. Like, it's, it's awesome to see because... Being out on the road and being able to talk to people, that's just so important to have that passion, that drive, that energy. It's contagious. It really is. So I loved his little Meet Us Mondays, like little write-up, I'm an extrovert that talks too much. Give me a call. (laughs) You know, I mean, that is... Dr. Brent Smith, like in a nutshell, I think he did an excellent job choosing that one-liner. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about Brent is he knows no strangers. Is that how they say that? <laughs> like you're you're immediately his friend mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. soon as he talks to you. So yeah. So we sat down with Brent here in the studio and talked about him coming on board with Lutheran Bible Translators, his passion for uh, mission and Bible translation. Mm-hmm. And again, just uh, great stories as always. You know, the first time I met Brent was actually, I was his neighbor at an exhibit. He was also an exhibitor. And just like, so we kind of had that, hey, we know each other. But now, like actually being colleagues, being able to see how he interacts with mission and that, that posture that he has and the interest that he has for everyone being active in mission, regardless of their background, is just really inspiring. Yeah. Dr. Brent Smith served for several years as a missionary and in missionary administration for the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod in Eurasia. Um, more recently was a uh, mission executive in the Southeast District of the Missouri Synod and then invited mission participation for Lutheran Church Missouri Synod International Missions until uh, recently when he uh, joined Lutheran Bible Translators. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Brent Smith. So we're here today with Reverend Dr. Brent Smith, who is the Executive Development Officer for Lutheran Bible Translators. Welcome. Hey, awesome. It's great to be here and uh, a joy to be sitting here with you and Pastor Rich and talking about what the Lord Jesus is doing around the world. So you're new to Lutheran Bible Translators, but not new to missionary service. So can you share a little bit about the experiences that you've had internationally as a missionary? Yeah, yeah, I'm not new. I'm a baptized child of God, and as the Lord washed me with his word through that water, uh, he made me a missionary. And, And anyone else who's baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I really believe that delivery of the forgiveness of sins. That's a free gift. You know, God at work in baptism uh, really, of course, sends us forth as children of faith, but children who are saved uh, to share a great message of salvation. And so I, yeah, I grew up on a little tiny farm outside of a town a little smaller than Concordia, Missouri, where the global headquarters (laughs) of Lutheran Bible Translators is located. I went to a little country school and and then uh, God, in his sense of humor, uh, sent me to Central Asia. Woo. 
And that was the first international experience. I can still remember landing in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. driving into the what was the capital city at that time of this Central Asian country. And I, I was sent not as a pastor, um, as a layman, uh, mm-hmm. as a business manager. My undergraduate was in business and accounting, so mm-hmm. assisting, you know, being part of the support role of the frontline evangelists and church planters. Um, they had mobile medical vans mm-hmm. that were... Um, after the fall of the Soviet Union, a lot of people didn't have access to basic health care, and so God opened the door for our church body to go, and and so that was part of that support role, and it was awesome to see what God was doing around the world. It, it took a, a few years, you know, traveling across the steppes of Central Asia to Siberia mm-hmm. to sit at the feet of some awesome Lutheran theologians and uh, go through some uh, summer seminars. And uh, after that, he kind of convinced me to go to a place I said I'd never go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said that, but to seminary. And yeah, that was a great experience. And I learned one thing that when you get a master's of divinity, you don't master divinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you you really see how much uh, all of this work is God's work, and he chooses to work through us. And um, it's an awesome adventure. Uh, he sent me back overseas uh, uh, at that time with the family then, uh, Jenny and We have three children, and uh, that experience was great. If she were here, she could tell you the hard work she did of having a baby in a birthing house over there and uh, watching our three kids grow up. But those uh, eight years in the Russian-speaking world and another eight years in the what we call the Europe-Eurasia region Mm -hmm. was an awesome international experience of, of watching God at work. So what did you learn about language and culture and scripture in those contexts uh, as you were working in those different places? Yeah, so much to learn. I I felt like in those years of service, God was teaching me much more than I was giving really to others. I actually, uh, in praying about this this call to come work with the team here at LBT, uh, went back into my library and found some great things to remind me of the language, the culture, and the scripture. Because when I landed in Central Asia, there was, of course, God had been at work for years. Uh, There was no Bible translation, though. Hmm. And Mm -hmm. coming back to that nighttime drive, and you see the city waking up the next day, yeah, your food's a little different. You go out in the village, you're maybe sitting around a table without chairs, eating with your hands, uh, some awesome dishes. And But what shocked me the most was that the majority of that population did not have God's Word in their language. Mm-hmm. And I actually have here on the table today, maybe we can take a picture or something and share it, but this was some of the beginning work in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a dynamic duo out there, uh, career missionaries. He was a pastor, evangelist, church planter, and his wife was a musician, uh, the uh, the Custers, and, and Helga did tremendous work in uh, ethnomusicology and reading the Word. And so you're looking at actually uh, the first version uh, that has uh, three languages in it, a little bit for the English people who are visiting and the short-term medical missionaries and things, and then also uh, Russian language, which, you know, Cyril and Methodius, since 988 AD, they, they, uh, you know, were the ones that God used to bring us Cyrillic, but also bring the Word of God. And so you have Orthodox Christianity in the former Soviet Union, but 
but like in Kazakh and those other Central Asian languages, they didn't have the Word of God, so it was fun to listen to them read over that and to try to find the words to uh, put God's Word into the language of the people. So I noticed how difficult a job that was. I was not, of course, working as a Bible translator, as a business manager and and doing other things, but in observing how that's done, um, pretty powerful. It really engages the whole community, and the cultures are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fun to watch them sing some of the psalms using their instruments. So the dombra, of which one of the other workers who's been out working in this language group for decades now, he learned to play the dombra. (laughs) And, uh, you know, setting the scripture uh, to music, it sounded very different Mm -hmm. than our services, but I learned to appreciate uh, the variety in God's creation and how the word spoken in people's heart language has a tremendous impact. Yeah, do you have any specific memories of people encountering Scripture, like, for the first time, it sounds like, then, uh, as they were reacting? Is there anything that stood out to you? Yeah, lots of memories. How many hours do we have? <laughs> <laughs> lots of awesome memories. You know, um, some of these uh, evangelists that were going village to village, of course, that part of the world is a Muslim-majority country, and uh, so you had mosques on every corner, and and so they have some history, you know, in the in the Quran, it lists a lot of biblical figures and kind of assumes the reader knows who these uh, individuals are. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the diving back into the Old Testament and the stories of God, Abraham, and, and the story of faith, there were a few times when they were, uh, people were upset, you know, mm-hmm. shaking the van full of evangelists and saying, leave the village. But for the most part, it was really wide open doors. The mm-hmm. approach to meet people where they're at, to attempt to speak their language, and to meet human needs through like the medical vans, mm-hmm. uh, really open doors. Uh, one of the most vivid memories, though, is, is literally in the capital city, in the, the rental space where we were worshiping, the music missionary had a great partnership with the music conservatory. Mm-hmm. And so before the services, you had all of these students, some on folk instruments, others on, that were classically trained of Western tradition, and see so this beautiful music. And, and then people were, of course, invited to stay. There would be more music, but it was actually starting a worship service uh, to acknowledge God as our creator and that he has sent a Messiah. And some people would stay after that. And, of course, lots of uh, baptisms and fruit out of that. By um, the 2000, the first New Testament was published. Mm -hmm. And uh, by 2010, they did finish kind of version one of the whole Bible. So I know this is something that here you at Lutheran Bible Translators, you work in day in and day out. Mm -hmm. But I was one of those outsiders that kind of got a glimpse of the need uh, early on. And now I'm so uh, glad that God has called me into that story uh, to remind people of how important it is um, to keep Bible translation uh, a top priority in their their mission giving and uh, what they're tracking and following and what they're praying for. 
And, uh, and after your time in the former Soviet Union and your Asia, you came to one of the biggest mission fields in the world, the United States, and did some work here. Tell us a little bit about that. Mm. Yeah, you always wonder, um, I'm sure you as well, Pastor Rich, where are you going to land when God calls you back to where you're a citizen? You know, we lived as uh, guests in host countries, right, with passport and visa and, you know, uh, trying to get across borders. Um, So for us, uh, the Smith family, the five of us, we landed in the East Coast in the Washington, D.C. area. And that's exactly right. You really see what a mission field uh, it is. And while some people maybe have negative thoughts when they hear Washington, D.C., what our family, uh, having served there about three years, are reminded of are the faithful saints. There are so many faithful Christians mm-hmm. in congregations right there in the Beltway that not only are support mission work around the world, but are providing influence and uh, serving God and, and this country. So that was a joy. Then we moved back to our home state, which uh, both Jenny and I were born and and raised in Nebraska. We're excited to be based out of Omaha, Nebraska. Two of our kids are now in college. One goes to Concordia in Seward and the other one in the Omaha area. And our our youngest is a junior in high school. So um, one of the blessings of the call that I've received since returning to the U.S. is being able to visit what I'd call the sending church. It's the church that is so faithful. They're in their life calling, uh, living as the Lord has assigned them, and sending workers into the harvest field and have been faithful at that. Definitely, the church is also a receiving church. God has sent the nations and the languages um, right here to Concordia, Missouri, and, and to so many other cities. And um, so it's, it's a joy to remind people to keep sending and yeah. supporting and receiving uh, the new arrivals, the new Americans, seeing if they believe in Jesus, uh, seeing if they have God's Word in, in their language. They're right here in one of the largest mission fields in the world. So you've mentioned the joys of being able to, to share about the ongoing needs, but there are some challenges, too, as you're conveying about the ongoing needs as the executive development officer. So what are those like along the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the challenges are great. The international experience, and now with God having so many of the nations right here at our doorstep, uh, you know, in our midst, is is communication, right? We we get almost a a glimpse of heaven in the sense that there will be people from every language and tribe and and nation, and and yet here on earth, in our fallenness, and as creation groans, yearning for Christ to come back again, there's that struggle to communicate, to, to love others as, as God loves us. And we get influenced by the external environment, whether that's um, negative news or negative social media. And so it's easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really noticed in our own family how easy it is to get caught up in uh, just things that are they're really distractions from the primary mission that every Christian has uh, in the time that God has given them. And so those are some challenges. Uh, certainly the workers are few, so we find uh, that we could be working 24 hours a day, but God's called us to rest, but he's, he's given us a limited time, but he's also given us technology to uh, like this, to communicate to people wherever they're at. Maybe they're out in their tractor uh, <laughs> listening to this, or they're 
corn uh, hauling truck or semi and or car or um, on their lunch break uh, wherever they're at and so God's given um, the church and all of his workers tremendous ways to get the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth so in until Christ comes again uh, the challenges will be there uh, but we pray to the Lord of the harvest to help us have the strength and the focus to meet those challenges and and to stay focused yeah, um, you know, I think that the Christian church in the U.S. sort of has a sinking feeling like that our best days are behind us somehow, and we're just kind of not all that we could have been. I mean, how do you find that being able to share your experience of seeing God at work in different places can speak to that that line of thought? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is a joy to report what is going on all over the world. There's only one Una Sancta, one holy Christian church, and Christ is the Savior. And so reminding people that in in many parts of the world and parts of the United States, the the church is growing. There's lots of um, baptisms and uh, in gathering uh, uh, as God's kingdom grows, and uh, so sometimes it's just lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. It's, right. a, it's a little bit, if you recall, there in Luke chapter twenty-four, the the two are are walking on the road, and and Jesus is right there on the journey, walking with them, yep. and it took a bit of time uh, for their eyes to be opened, mm-hmm. and I think that's the role that we all have here at. Lutheran Bible translators that were, are based in the United States is to walk along with the church here and ask God to open all of our eyes yeah. to what he's doing in these last days. Um, it is a multi-generational mission effort, yeah. uh, so we, we celebrate the work that those who have gone before us in, in whatever role that is. You know, the pastor that was in the congregation before you arrived as pastor, the the deaconess that is there. You look back of, of who did God use to bring Christianity, the love of Christ, to Concordia, Missouri, uh, and, and all the other towns and, and cities. And we celebrate the sacrifice, many of them tremendous sacrifice. And, and that should encourage us to think about what, what sacrifices should we be giving to prioritize the mission of Christ in these uh, last days? And as you think about um, all the experiences you've had with Christians in other places in the world, if you could say to somebody, you know, here from the States, like, if I could just tell you one thing that I've really learned about Mm -hmm. or seeing Christians in different places, Mm -hmm. uh, this is what I really want you to know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, that we have a very strong belief and teaching from God's Word on his creation. Mm. Uh, he has created the heavens and the earth, and that means all these different locations around the world are, are fruits of his creation. This kind of fingerprints are all over them, and so to celebrate where you see this creation and its expression, how they, they are worshiping, the, the joy they have, and um, to seek out intentional opportunities to experience that, uh, because the variety of um, God's creation is is just awesome, and um, the more we un- experience and understand that, I think He starts to open our eyes to. Oh, I may not be able to share Christ, uh, or feel comfortable, or or even know the language to share Christ, but but now I know of this church over here, of this person, and and. It, they're just the right person to, to share that message. Um, that would be one of the first things I'd start to tell them is to welcome in 
um, many people of many backgrounds. Uh, we have one thing in common, that's Christ and, right. and his scripture. And that's, that is our common ground, and out of that we can go forth to serve together. Yeah. Those differences really are uh, the blessings that we have our identity in Christ and being able to say, oh, hey, I am a child of God, and and so are they, and being able to celebrate, here's where we're different, but also having that learning posture of, I don't have all the answers, and I'm going to need to learn. And I think that that's something that at Lutheran Bible Translators, just over the years, I've really uh, embraced that as well of, okay, I I probably am not going to have all the answers here. And uh, just being able to have that time to to soak it all up and to to listen. And I know I've had plenty of surprises over the years. So what's been surprising for you mm-hmm. so far encountering Lutheran yeah. Bible translators? Yeah, oh, it's been awesome. The culture here is, is awesome. Again, it's grounded in Scripture. You know, I was trying to think of how do you describe it? it it's, yeah. a, it's a movement that's so embedded in Scripture. When you go back and start listening to the Scriptures again or reading them, just again to think through, okay, so when you start thinking about Bible translation or God speaking my heart language, it just jumps off the page. I mean, when the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, retells the story of his conversion, not when he decided to follow Jesus, but when God sought him out on the road to Damascus, (laughs) Mm -hmm. shook him a bit, woke him up. Mm -hmm. But in Acts 22, uh, he he says the story again. I mean, it starts in Acts 9, but Acts 22 and in Acts 26, he intentionally tells the the people as he's telling the story, he's like, and and God spoke in Hebrew, you know, Jesus said to me in Hebrew, you know, so his heart language, and it just... You know, really, when you're if you're someone who does public speaking, or you know, if you're a Lutheran school teacher, or a Christian school teacher, or a um, you know, a director of Christian education, and you're working with a whole bunch of youth, or or a pastor stepping into the pulpit, that really is a, a translation. You're you're going into a text, you know, an audience, and you're trying to communicate in their heart language as God does His spiritual work. So it's pretty pretty cool. We do have a sinful side, and I wrestle with my sinful nature daily. We don't have all the answers. I, I kind of chuckle, you know, when people introduce me as Dr. Brent Smith, and, and thanks be to God for that experience. But I I used to tell people that PhD stands for permanent head damage. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and, and in some cases, you know— you can see academicians that they, they're really in it for the books and bibliography. They maybe have missed the purpose. Maybe it's position power over other people or you know, that type of thing. But one of the joys of um, getting to know the global missionary force, um, those who serve in the LCMS Office of International Mission, where I served for those many years, here at LBT as well, is, is you see people pursuing additional degrees maybe, but their motive is to get the gospel as accurately as possible into more and more people's uh, heads and and hearts and hands. Mm -hmm. And that's what's been a joy about the culture here at LBT and get going, seeing that at work. 
So you've probably heard plenty of stories, you know, kind of filtering through about the work of Bible translation and literacy and scripture engagement, whether it's a scripture app or audio or scripture songs. Has there been something that's Mm -hmm. particularly impacted you Mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. And why? Yeah, you know, we've um, we've followed some of the LBT missionary workers uh, over the years. Some would actually, as we lived on the way from Africa back to the United States, they would stop over and, and visit us in the Eurasia region. Um, to, and I would encourage if the listeners to this podcast haven't yet, those stories that are told when they hit milestones, um, one of the families that served for years in uh, northern Ghana, you know, that milestone of the New Testament being finished, and then the celebration that takes place among not not just the churchgoers, but the whole community, because they're hearing uh, and singing uh, in their own language. And so those stories are very powerful. Of course, the the New Testament, or the Old Testament's being worked on right now, and look forward to that next celebration of the whole Bible being completed. Uh, the many projects that are active, you know, thank you, uh, Pastor Rich. Uh, talking about not having all the answers, right? You may recall uh, some time ago when I started you gave me an awesome recording of how to pronounce. You know, people people don't realize that over a hundred languages. These are languages that do not have God's word yet, um, and now they're starting to get God's word in that language. And uh, he took the time to sit down and record, so I was pronouncing them correctly because many of them I had not heard of. So just right. once again, it takes the whole body of Christ. It, it is a, a learning curve for so many of us. But it points us back to Scripture. Um, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, That's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 there, and he's living out, he's carrying out that desire today in his mission by by putting people to work in his kingdom. And so it's good to be part of it. And and of course, we would never want to to say something that sounds like we're speaking against any other kind of mission movement, right? Because God is at work in in everything. But for folks that you're going to encounter in your work and that that are listening to the podcast that are hearing about all these different ways to get involved and do things to make the world a better place, you know, why should they consider the work of Bible translation? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mentioned one of them, you know, the number of languages. And when you start adding up the people groups or the people that speak those languages, it, it's into the millions of people. Yeah. And so when you get the Word of God into that language, it spreads like wildfire often. You know, it's like people didn't realize that resource was there because it's written. You know, it kind of encounters what took place in the early church. There early on, it was face-to-face proclamation you know, village to village, you see those missionary journeys. And then, you know, the evil one uh, thought they could stop the movement by putting the apostles, putting Paul in prison. And God put it then on manuscripts. And those were copied, and people were able to experience the the Word of God, and, and that's how he grew his church. And so we see that happening today. You know, God blesses us, and people are working in their calling. It's like a, a tree, right? And he gives the rain in due season, and and fruit starts to 
emerge, right? And so in a sense, my role is to get out with the people, which I love to do, be with the people, and kind of shake shake the tree, you know, yeah. uh, so that the fruit uh, that God has provided, yes, through many hours of blood, sweat, and tears of, of lifelong calling and work, uh, but to help them guide that into something that has a real impact, uh, not just for this life, but for eternity. Yes, and just I think as you think about that work and inviting people to be in that story, I'd also, I guess, ask you to think about or tell us about, like, at the end of the day, why is the Bible important to you mm-hmm. for Brent Smith? Like, what does this mm-hmm. word mean to you, mm-hmm. and how does that fuel what you do? Yeah, it, it, it drives this whole calling that I'm in. It is living, it's active. It is a word that as you read it, study it, inwardly digest it, it is the means by which the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, and enlightens people. And thanks be to God, uh, we have a God who his primary communication is to bring us to repentance mm-hmm. and to faith and to eternal salvation. He, we die, you know, um, here in just a bit. I'm looking at 50 years of life, which is a blast, and I don't know how that will be celebrated here. But, wow, you start thinking of, wow, 50, that's like a half a century. Oh, man, the clock is really ticking. You know, <laughs> our youngest is almost out. She, uh, you know, she's driving 16. The the, um, the oldest be 21 this year, and, and you, start, you sense the urgency. Mm. And my prayer is that through the, the preaching, the proclamation, that people get a sense of the urgency. There's a couple texts. It's a challenge uh, because there's a little tension, I think, that all Christians live in. To me, when I read 1 Corinthians 7, there in in the middle of the chapter, like 7 verse 17, it talks about living in the calling that the Lord has assigned, you know, to which God has called us to. Mm -hmm. You know, my brother and my parents still are out on Smithland and cattle, you know, farming and, and planting and praying and <laughs> irrigating, yeah. unlike a lot of places here in, in uh, Missouri. Um, but God's bringing rain into season. They pray for the harvest and they bring it in. That's their calling. That's their life. And others are working in their vocation that, that God has called them to. And and that's awesome. And that's where he's blessing and he provides abundance. And then we go, whoa, what do we do with the abundance? And, you know, it's tempting to spend it on ourselves. And But there's a, a, a temptation to become complicit, to go, wow, that's, it's my calling. That's kind of, That's my comfort zone. Keep reading, right? Because if you keep reading, you see the purpose for living out that calling. By the time you get to the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, you see that the the way in which the people of God are called to also live is often out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul talks about, you know, he's free. He's free, but he's made servant of all. And then he also talks about, as he's, uh, you know, to be servant of all, it's to win others into the kingdom of God, to get them the gospel so spirit can make them alive in Christ. Uh, so he says to become all things to all people so that, you know, more might be saved. And that starts to get us a little <laughs> nervous, maybe feel like we're out of our comfort zone. And so, but that's the tension God has us in. Um, we don't want to commit the sin of omission, mm-hmm. mm. which is not responding to the great commission of God, which is omitting to tell our neighbor about Christ. We confess a lot of things that 
uh, sins of commission, doing things we shouldn't. And, right. you know, but God is calling, uh, calling us to live and to also uh, sacrifice and share Christ. And so I pray that that urgency and, and texts like that that affirm people that not everyone is called to go into the villages uh, to these distant lands and to be the translators and uh, working with those teams and scripture and engagement uh, in, in other countries. That's okay if that's not their callings. Many are called there, and they mm-hmm. should heed that call and go. Um, but whatever calling you're in, take it serious that um, God wants his mission top priority. Right. I think that that is just so true of that we have these different callings, unique, beautiful callings, and to celebrate those. Um, but we are all called to be in his mission. And so many people that I've encountered, you know, over the years that, oh, you know, I just, I don't have it, you know, like whether it's, you know, an 80-year-old woman at an LWML event mm-hmm. or maybe a young family oh, I, I, I can't go. And it's like, that is okay, mm-hmm. because you are still in God's mission. Mm-hmm. And to be able to share up his word, because we believe that it is in our faith that we are founded in the word. Mm-hmm. It is by hearing his word. And how, how can they grow in faith around the world if they don't have the word? Right. And it's just been so empowering for, for me and my calling as I hear stories around the world of people encountering scripture for the first time, because otherwise it felt like it was somebody else's religion, you know, some other sort of, oh, this doesn't belong to me, but then it becomes real, you know, God's word in their own language. But those steps that, you know, all of the the people who generously gave along the way to make that uh, translation work happen. It wasn't just the missionary going. It was all of those people faithfully supporting the missionary and the programs that people are finally able to hear God's word in a language they understand. Yeah, excellent. You know, amen to that. There's lots of different parts of the one body of Christ. You know, thanks be to God, he doesn't ask us, you know, to do one-arm push-ups. <laughs> you know, that's tough to do, you know, and so it does take, it takes the sending part of the church, the generosity, and I, I think that's a joy of, in accepting this call, I, I really wrestled with it. You know, I, I don't see myself as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, it's the mission of LBT that uh, pulled me into this story. It's getting God's Word into more languages. Uh, We see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, a picture of the future, and that uh, text is clear. Uh, There's a great multitude of people from every tribe, and, and it says, and language. And so this work is kingdom work, and uh, that's excited, and what's what's fun coming back, you know, Jesus preached, talked a lot about money, uh, you know, the love of money and, and the like, and what's a joy to me is, you know, I stayed um, in over 90 homes in a year mm-hmm. of sitting and listening to the stories of God's faithfulness in the farms and in the families and the schools um, of, of these people, and they're believing in Jesus, and there's no compulsion in giving. It's, scripture's clear about that, is, is watching them have joy in guiding the fruit of their labors into something that makes an eternal impact. And that's what I really enjoy about my current role here um, and the work that, that goes on. Because in that, and the second part, which I enjoy and anticipate um, even 
the months ahead, uh, much more of this is echoing the uh, stories, the reports of what God is doing mm. through the staff, uh, the translation teams, the scripture engagement teams, the the literacy uh, uh, classes and teams is echoing those stories mm-hmm. back into the lives of the faithful saints here, because mm-hmm. uh, that does remind them of a truth, which God is still alive and active. He's got of Abraham, Isaac, and mm-hmm. Jacob. Uh, Jesus is coming back again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do the happy clappy dance. I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to be singing <laughs> hallelujahs. Oh, we got some songs right there in Revelation of, of what we could sing, and we're going to hear those in so many of the languages that, uh, that LBT is working in today. Uh, new saints in heaven uh, singing of the salvation that comes through uh, Jesus Christ. So as we're recording now, you're here in the office to have some orientation, some strategic planning, and then kind of launch out from here. What do you feel like things are going to look like in the next few months? What are you excited about? Mm-hmm. Well, the prayer is that um, the phone's ringing off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we heard the the podcast and um, can, hey, get over here and tell us of all the God-pleasing things we can do and and how to have an impact and how to help each of these 100-plus languages so that's one of the prayers. This is not a solo endeavor. It's uh, There's a whole crew uh, that are w- ready, willing, well-trained, and able to come out, speak to groups throughout the nation here, uh, to bring them up to speed on the partnerships. And so I anticipate being on the road telling that story with anyone who wants to be part of it and to support it. How would people get a meeting with you or some kind of presentation? What's the best way to... Yeah, so, I mean, they can reach out to the global offices here at LBT and reach me that way. Uh, There's also a whole team of support that's uh, ready to answer their questions. They could reach me at brent.smith at lbt.org or on my mobile at uh, 660-217-3372. So any of those ways are... Are ways to reach out. Uh, I really encourage people to go to the lbt.org slash give page. Right there is a list of the programs. Uh, not all of the languages. Some of them are in sensitive areas, um, but uh, go to those programs and they can see how they can have an impact immediately around the world. On average, it's about $35 a verse. It's about $1,000 for the average chapter. Every student of the Bible knows some are longer, some are, are shorter. And so I know some people say, well, well, God's really blessed us. What, what would it look like if, if we want to support multiple translations or even a whole Old and New Testament? And, you know, there's a lot of factors that uh, shorten or lengthen the time that it takes, you know, as a, a, a culture that has no written language or, or the like. But kind of uh, on average, it's, it's close to about a million dollars to uh, do the pre-work the translation work, the checking, and all the necessary steps and um, to get that into a host language. And so the, there may be people out there that, that God is moving uh, to provide at one or, or all of those levels. So I'd encourage them to be in touch with anyone at LBT and we'll get the information they need. 
All right, Brent, thanks so much for spending your time with us today on the podcast. It was great talking to you and look forward to working together more. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Uh, thanks again for having me here. Uh, Emily, Pastor Rich, awesome. Keep doing what you are doing. You're exactly right. It is essentially translatable. And so thanks for putting this podcast together about God's Word and the work of the Lord through you around the world. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it, Brent Smith and his passion for mission. And uh, as the, now the last two episodes of Essentially Translatable, you've heard from both Dr. Tillahuna and Dr. Brent, uh, who are available to come out to meet with you. You can be in touch with us at info at lbt.org and say, hey, I'd like one of these guys to come and and talk to me, my congregation or my small group, and uh, we will put that together for you. But man, what a great mm -hmm. uh, conversation with Brent. Yeah, no, it's true. And as you were saying, like both Dr. Mendetto and Dr. Smith, like both of them so gifted yeah. in being able to, to share the story of Bible translation. You know, if you're looking for your congregation, your, your small group, or just like you in general, like, hey, like, tell me, like, what's happening in the Bible translation ministry world? You know, what is it that I can do? These two very gifted, godly men being able to to sit down and, and just share the vision of Bible translation ministry, of putting God's word in the hands and hearts of people around the world. And I think that his energy, his, his drive uh, is just so evident. So, being able to see like where God led him from, like, you know, how he was right. never anticipating, right. you know, going into ministry, you know, small town Nebraska kind of feel, right? right? And then going across the world and interacting with different cultures and, and languages and seeing right there when, you know, I loved him pulling out the, um, it was, I believe, a liturgy, yeah. right? And, you know, seeing how impactful that was of having scripture songs in their own language and that, that kind of working in him now where he is. It's just really incredible to see how God works. Definitely so. And now the invitation is open for us as the church here in the West to just take the opportunity to reflect on what a gift God's Word is to us and to invite us uh, again in our small groups with your groups of friends or in your congregations to say, let's intentionally reflect on what a great gift God's Word is. Let's have one of these guys come and talk to us and get involved in both celebrating the gift that God's Word is and also the opportunity to pass that gift on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because of people like you, you know, God's Word can go forth, you know, that it is each one of us that is part of his mission. Uh, he's working in and through us. And so being able to embrace that opportunity, getting in contact with Dr. Mendetto or Dr. Smith, you can find out, like, what is it that God's calling me to? How can I pray? How can I give? How can I be an advocate for Bible translation? Or maybe God's calling you to go. So embracing that opportunity to put God's word in their hands and just uh, celebrating with people around the world, because we've got that Revelation 7 picture of uh, the throne room and the, the power of people worshiping in their own language, God Almighty. And so... If that's an inspiration for you, um, we'd love to, to be able to get you in contact with any of these gentlemen. So info at lbt.org or communications at lbt.org. 
Thank you for listening to the Essentially Translatable podcast brought to you by Lutheran Bible Translators. You can find past episodes of the podcast at lbt.org slash podcast or subscribe on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lutheran Bible Translators' social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or go to lbt.org to find out how you can get involved in the Bible translation movement and put God's Word in their hands. This episode of Essentially Translatable was produced and edited by Andrew Olson. Our executive producer is Emily Wilson. Podcast artwork designed by Caleb Rodewald. Music written and performed by Rob Veit. I'm Rich Rodowski. So long for now. <laughs>